Henry Nouwen uh, was one of the great spiritual writers of the 20th century, and one of the themes that he turned to again and again was this idea of this longing for home, uh, just this desire, this ache to be known and accepted and safe. He just struggled with this all his life, and he wrote about this all his life. After he died, his journals started to come out, and there are a couple of biographies that came out that kind of revealed just the depth to which he was wrestling with these things. And I, here's from one journal he wrote. He was at a conference in Latin America, and he said, what I'm craving is not so much recognition is friendship. There may be some friends around me, but I don't see it. I attended a little workshop on what it means to be a Christian. Nothing reached my heart. I realized the only thing I wanted was a handshake, an embrace, a kiss, a smile. I received none. Finally, I fell asleep in the late afternoon to escape it all. I think one of the reasons so many of us have found such comfort in uh, Father Nowen's writings is we all have this longing for homes, ache to be loved and known and accepted. And I think sometimes the people that we are drawn to are the people that kind of create spaces that help us Feel at home. I, I heard a, a sad story this week that reminded me of this. Uh, if, if you've ever been to the University of Tennessee uh, hospital to visit somebody or you were there for yourself, you almost certainly saw a precious man with a broom. And his name was Tom. And uh, he uh, had an Elvis haircut. And uh, I didn't realize that the first few times I, I saw Tom, he was always caring for a patient or somebody, I thought, that is really a wild haircut to have. <laughs> and, and then one day I saw him take this precious older woman, take her hand, get down on his knee, and start singing Elvis songs to her. And Danny told me that uh, he, he actually was an Elvis impersonator. And he had a broom, but he would go all through the hospital and he'd go in and pray and he'd sing Elvis songs. And uh, sadly, he, he passed away from COVID and uh, complications. But he was trying to make a scary place feel kind of like home. And he did a great job of it. And Danny said that's what people remembered him for at his funeral. Well, Advent is this season when we think about our longings and waiting on Jesus. And this Advent, we're naming some of our deepest longings. And we're kind of meditating on them when we're saying, okay, how, how does all that we sing about, how, how are my deepest longings satisfied in the coming of Christ? And tonight we're exploring this longing for home and we're using the poetry of David. Because David expressed his longings very clearly in the Psalms. And 
the psalm that we read in uh, Psalm 142, if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If not, I'm afraid I gave gave Elena the wrong psalm to read too. So it was a great psalm, but not Psalm 142. Tradition says that he wrote this psalm in a cave, the cave of Adullam. At a very lonely time in his life, uh, he had been in the household of the king. He had uh, a very rich relationship with Jonathan, the son of the king. And we don't really know, but I imagine he might have kind of dreamed about growing old with his family and his children running through the halls of the Palace. Maybe he dreamed about Saul mentoring him as a spiritual father as he was prepared to take over the reign of Israel. Well, it didn't happen at all, of course. Saul became jealous and hunted David. And so David went from this rich, intimate community, and now he's in a cave. And he, he wrote Psalm 142 there. And Father Nowen spoke of the wound of loneliness, and David really is, is kind of naming that wound and moving through it towards God in a real beautiful way in that psalm. And so just briefly tonight, I want us to think about how our loneliness, how our longing for home can move us towards Christ. David begins by, by naming the wound. He's, he cries out to the Lord, and then he says, I tell my trouble before him. There's none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. Nobody on earth cares for my soul. So our journey home begins with naming the wound of our loneliness. Just taking a moment, whether tonight or sometime during the week, and maybe just being honest about any loneliness that you're feeling. Maybe you, know, maybe you find yourself writing in your journal, you know, I went to the Christmas party tonight and I was surrounded by people, but I still felt so alone. Or the people around this Christmas tree are all my family, but none of them really knows me. I thought this friendship was going somewhere, but now they won't even return my tax. I just feel so alone. I'm different than other people. I I think I'm unusual. I don't think people get me. I, I don't even know they want to. Well, is this just kind of sanctifying self pity? Are we just feeling. Sorry for ourselves when we do this. Won't this just lead to destructive behaviors? Well, it can. I mean, realizing you're lonely can lead there. We can manage our loneliness in unhealthy ways. We can numb it with food or drink or shopping or plunge into an unhealthy relationship or spend hours scrolling on our phones. Or we can remember what we've been learning this Advent is that God created us as longing beings. Nothing wrong with that. You were built for home. 
You were built to be known and safe and accepted. And so these desires should remind us that our ultimate home is in God. So the first step in all of this is naming the wound of our loneliness. There might be a part of this that is grieving um, our loneliness. Uh, I had the honor of uh, conducting a wedding service yesterday and I realize that at weddings, people don't really want the minister to say anything. Um, and they want you to get up and get down as quickly as you can so that you can get to the open bar. But I've decided I'm 60 now, and I don't care. And so I will say whatever I want at weddings. And so I, I said something. It was interesting. No one thanked me for this message. I don't know. I, I, I said, you know... You're married now, and congratulations, marriage is the end of loneliness. And I, there were heads nodding. And then I said, I just lied to you. <laughs> because loneliness can stalk us in marriage as well. Sometimes the loneliest people on earth are lying in bed with their partner. I think being honest about disappointment in a relationship is an important part of naming this wound. And it might be a a severe wound, like betrayal, but it might just be sadness. It might just be, gosh, I thought that was going to go different. Um, Gosh, what? why did everybody seem to leave? That's part, I think, of the work of naming the wound. Well, David next turns towards God. He says, I cry to you, O Lord. I say, you're my refuge. You're my portion in the land of the living. And that's from, if you've ever studied way back in Leviticus and things like this, God gives uh, the tribes different portions of land, except for the Levites, and he says, you don't get anything other than me. (laughs) I've always thought, that is so fascinating. Everybody else gets land, he says, you don't get anything, you get me. I'm your portion. (laughs) And of course, in the New Covenant, we're all priests. And I think what, what David is saying is, I get you. You are enough to satisfy the longing of my heart. There's a beautiful book by a man named Ronald Rollheiser that begins with this paragraph. Um, It is not an easy task to walk this earth and find peace. Inside of us, it would seem, something is at odds with the very rhythm of things. And we are forever restless, dissatisfied, frustrated, aching. At the heart of all great literature, poetry, art, philosophy, psychology, and religion lies the naming and analyzing of this desire. Whatever the expression is, everyone's talking about the same thing, a loneliness that cannot be tamed. 
Spirituality is ultimately about what we do with that desire. What we do with our longings, both in terms of handling the pain and the hope they bring us, is our spirituality. I think there's a really important move here, and if you have time to look at this this week, because David, before he goes into anything relational with people, he goes to God first. That is so important. He knows that if he is not experiencing the love of God, then whatever needs he has will never be met in human relationships. We have to find our home in God first before we look for home with others. And see, this is, I think this is a, one of the most nuanced, dangerous moves in the spiritual life is, is when you get to the point, some people never get there, but if you get to the point of realizing, you know, my mother will never Give me what I need. My wife will never give me what I need. Reconciling with my estranged daughter as much as I long for that will never give me what I need. Finding that friendship that I've always longed for will never give me what I need. Finding a new church that's filled with hope and promise will never give me what I need. Beloved, you have to get there at some point in your life. You have to get there. If you are still looking to another person to redeem or destroy you, you will never become who you're supposed to become. But when you do get there, you have a choice to make. And this is where I see so many spiritual journeys shipwreck. And it's where I struggle myself so much, is that when you get there, when you've been disappointed, when you've been hurt, and people have left, and you are angry, and you, you, you think it shouldn't be that way, and it's not fair, and, 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 and they could have done this different, and didn't they understand, and yada, yada, yada. There is a razor's edge between going into the valley of Bitterness and anger and cynicism and coldness and shutting off your heart and withdrawing and stopping growth. And you can put all sorts of excuses on it. You know what I'm talking about. If it happens in your heart, you know what I'm talking about. It's that moment when you said, I am done. People have hurt me too many times. They never give me what I need. I am done. You're not going to know I'm done. Because I still have to function in this world. But I'm done. I'm going to close up my heart. I'm never going to open it up again. Or, this is, this is the narrow way, beloved. Now that you've been broken and crushed and 
left and betrayed and rejected and misunderstood and unknown. You can turn to Christ, who was every one of those things. And out of the sweetness of that bloody communion, now you can learn how to love. See, beloved, you and I cannot love well if we go into the relationship even unconsciously, just demanding that they be our God. And it's always unconscious. Nobody's dumb enough to do that. I want you to to be real honest with yourself sometime this week. And this is just kind of something on my heart. Could God be calling you into a deeper relationship with someone, someone who's pursuing you, someone who has been faithful to you, someone who is trying to reach you. But you've been hurt so many times that you just keep saying, no, 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 no. That's not what we're talking about tonight. That's taken the unmet longing for home, the unmet longing for relationship, and essentially giving the finger to God and saying, I will spend the rest of my life building a moat around my heart so no one will ever hurt me again. Now, David doesn't do that. And I guess he's sitting there in the cave. There's actually a video. You can find the cave of Adullam today. There's a park there and it's a big cave and I don't know what writing utensil he used but he's he's writing down and he starts to be filled with hope as he names his loneliness it drives him to God and then he he looks forward to this day when he's going to be in community again and he says the righteous will surround me you'll deal bountifully with me and he's probably thinking about Jonathan coming back and Saul repenting and it's going to be you know kind of like a hallmark Christmas and he just everybody's going to love and it's going to be so great God praise you hallelujah I can't wait till this happens well you heard, you heard Elena read what happens. This is right after he prays this. And everybody who was in distress, and everyone who was in debt, and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. <laughs> and he became captain over them. <laughs> I just love, I just love, I love this. Because David cries out for community. He wants a home. He wants these these beautiful people. And God sends him this mess of all these people that are just broken and busted up and running from their problems. And and actually, this becomes a community that ultimately restores Israel. I thought that's so like God. There's sort of this, oh, you hear it at weddings a lot. It goes like that goes like this. This wasn't last night, but it goes, you know, I was looking and I was looking and I was looking. I didn't find anybody. And finally, I just said, God, I'm done and I'm not going to look anymore. And it's just me and Jesus. And, and then I met Frank on the plane and it was all happy. And Frank's like Jesus to me. 
Oh, I hate those stories. <laughs> I just hate those stories. Because <laughs> Frank's going to take you to hell and back, honey. That's what I want. <laughs> That's what I want. That's what I want to tell him. Because it's not, it's not that way. He doesn't reward us with perfect relationship because we've been broken and we're trusting in Jesus. If he decides to reward us with any other relationships than the messy ones we already have, they'll be just as messy. Only way out I know. Go home, get on your phone. The only way out. And drink the false wine of pseudo-intimacy as you tap, 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 and watch the TV go by. There's no other way. There's no other way to do this. Frederick Buechner lived about the same time Henry Nouwen did, and right around the time of Nouwen's death, he wrote this beautiful book called A Longing for Home. And he talks about these homes that he grew up in and how much he loved them, and at the end, they all pointed him to Christ. And he says this, he says, the home that we long for and belong to is finally where Christ is. I believe that home is Christ's kingdom which exists both within us and among us as we wind our prodigal ways through the world in search of it. Let's pray. Lord, I know every one of us has a choice to make when we name our loneliness and the disappointment we feel in others. We either move towards self-protection or we move towards you. When we come to the table tonight, we're reminded what love looks like. It's not self-protection. Vulnerable, broken, humble, sacrificial. As we put the bread and the wine into our mouth tonight, may we take the the spirit they embody with us into our world. In your name, amen.